Welcome to Attenuation, a weekly podcast where two friends come together to drink beer, discuss beer styles and trends, and just generally ruminate on the meaning of life, aka beer. If you enjoy your time with us, we invite you to become a weekly listener and subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since 8th grade, Stephen. Hello. How are you doing today, sir? Fantastic. Ready to drink some beers? Definitely ready. Well, we have a seasonal topic. We're going to talk about holiday beers. It's Christmas time, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> You've not lived in Texas long enough to say that. Come on now. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. Couple signs in our house that say "Merry Christmas, y'all." Nice. Already, okay. We fully <laughs> adopted the Texas lifestyle. All right. I guess once you have a sign that says "Y'all," then you have. <laughs> That's really funny. Y'all does not always mean more than one person. By the way. It's Wait, really? It's just you. Yeah. Like so I remember the first time someone said, "Like, how y'all doing?" And I was like looking around, like. <laughs> You're like, we're oh, doing just great. me. <laughs> the royal we. Yeah. So, dude, I did not know that. Yeah, learn something new every day. When I go visit you in Texas, I'm going to say, how you doing, y'all, to one person. They're going to think I'm a local. Totally. No, they're not going to think that. They're probably not going to be a local, (laughs) and they're going to be like, what? Oh, that's true, Nobody's local. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people are moving, so. All right, well, holiday beers is our topic, but first, we have to drink some beer before we get to our main topic, so... I will introduce my beer and give some nose notes before I pass it over to Steven to do the same. Are you drinking a holiday beer? I don't think so. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> we we're ill-prepared for this topic. <laughs> we're going to talk about them. <laughs> I don't really like holiday beers, but we can cover that later. I'm drinking Heretic Brewing Evil Twin. So this is a style that I miss and I think should be more popular again, and that's the Red IPA. Ninkasi does Dawn of the Red. It's a really good red IPA. Not a lot of those around. No. I Yeah, it makes me sad. I think it's a really cool beer. So this is a uh, 6.8%. And then Heretic is in Fairfield, California. So I've been there once. It's close to where I live. That was a long time ago. I should go back and check it out. Really cool thing a while back where they uh, you could go and get a thing of wort from them. They had like prepared wort. And then all you had to do is take their wort and pitch the yeast and make the beer. Okay, that's really cool. That takes all the work. That takes like a lot of the work out of it. Yeah, all of the work. <laughs> that's a good way to like get into it. Like do that first. Yeah, for sure. And then see like how many steps you want to add. So this poured on camera, it looks brown, but it's a yeah, little it's bit more. Dark. It's more reddish, reddish brown. And then there's a very thick head with huge bubbles. And they don't really lace. They just kind of run down the side of the glass. It smells so malty. (laughs) It's funny because, I mean, this is going to be really malty, but it doesn't smell exactly like you'd expect an IPA to smell. But it smells kind of like a red beer. But then there are, like, in the background behind all those nice roasty malt smells is, like, the pine and that vegetal smell in the background. Okay, I I haven't had one of these forever. I'm excited to dive into this one. But I'll pass it to you to introduce your beer. Okay, I got a controversial beer today. As controversial as we'll ever get on this podcast. 
Uh-oh, why? So I have a beer called Herb Jar. It is part of the Slushy XXL Smoothie Sour Series from 450 North Brewing in Columbus, Indiana. I say controversial because there was a big deal with 450 North Brewery a couple years ago. They specialized in these heavily fruited Berliner Weiss style ales. They claimed that the ABV was around 8%, but in independent tests, it was coming out more as like 3%. And when they got called out on it, they just sort of shrugged it off. They've shrugged it off ever since. Like, uh, like, oh, sorry, we didn't realize that like all the fruit we added after fermentation was going to like dilute the ABV down so much. What? And then they've just like continued making it. And no one has ever, I don't, I mean, I guess, I don't know if there's been more independent tests since if anyone's checking on them, but they say they fixed it. Nobody really knows whether they fixed it or not. I'm trying to look and see what they say the percentage of alcohol is on this beer. And I yeah, can't I was find say, it, which it? is probably. Maybe they just took it off all the cans. They just, they just stopped putting it on the beer. Yeah, I can't find it. I'll keep looking for it. But anyway, herb jar. So this is a smoothie sour with strawberry, black raspberry, blueberry, and just regular raspberry puree. Following my theme of sweet, gimmicky beers. <laughs> you drink a lot of those. I figure, why change, right? <laughs> just you be you, Stephen. That's fine. But anyway, this is the... That's why it's controversial. I'm sorry if anybody is offended by me drinking a 450 North beer. I'm offended. They're still very popular. There's like I'm three camps. There's the camp of like, yeah, of, I, was gonna say, like uh, I love the beer, I don't care. There's a camp of completely indifferent and probably a camp of, I think that the camp that's against is more like, if we can't trust this brewery's brewing process, like how can we trust anybody else's kind of thing? So it like creates a loss of credibility across all breweries at least some some people might think that so okay i guess it's kind of annoying if, some, if someone's telling you a beer is eight percent and it's not yeah i mean i think that's legitimate concern i would say I a really lot of people gauge. thought that the um atf should have had more like should have cracked down on it more yeah they're regulating alcoholic beverages they should make sure that this brewery is labeling their cans correctly but i don't know yeah because i use that I mean, I gauge the ABV of what I'm going to drink a lot, like depending on what kind of mood I'm in. Like, I'm not just going to open a big bottle of something that's 8, 9, 10, 12% unless yeah, I like have to be ready for that. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. That's a weird one. All right. Sorry. You can give your yeah. impressions on it. There was a brewery. I can't remember who it was. They, oh, let's see. It was a Mem- Memphis brewer called uh, Wiseacre Brewing. <laughs> They brewed a fruited Berliner Weiss, and they named it 3.8%. We checked. <laughs> nice. That was great. Okay, I got to give you some nose notes on this thing, though, because I okay. poured it out. It is a very thick red. Looks like a slushy. It's definitely a thick smoothie sour. Very, very effervescent carbonation. No head whatsoever. The lacing is crazy, though, and that's basically because <laughs> there's so much fruit puree i don't know if it's true lacing but it's fruit lacing (laughs) this thing smells like raspberries like nobody's business it is it's gonna be so good you're like so excited this is straight raspberry juice and i think that's why they're popular 
I mean, I think they're doing this style probably better than anybody. Yeah. I just don't think they're super upfront about how they do Maybe it. it is watering it down. I kind of scoffed when you originally said that, but now that I see it in your glass, a lot of fruit. there's a lot of fruit puree in there. I mean, it smells like just a pan full of fresh raspberries. It's really incredible. I don't, I can't honestly can't get anything but that. It's just Yeah, it's like overpowering. Yeah. yeah, but I'm very excited to drink it. Nice. Okay, so... This beer's good. Evil Twin. It's really malty. So like creamy roasted malt, caramel. And then that lasts for a long time. And then you get a little peak of like grapefruit, pine, orange rind. And then it's kind of bitter on the finish. You don't taste the alcohol at all, even though it's like close to 7%. How classify this more? It's less of an IPA and more of like an amber ale, I think. But I still like it. I wish the... It's very smooth. It's very cohesive. It just kind of transitions from the malt into the hop flavors. I think I would like it if it was, had a little bit more hop flavors because the malt is so strong. And then the hops, they're like almost below the surface. So maybe dial up the hop side a little bit more. But it's good. I like it. I mean, I, I definitely enjoy it. I give it a thumbs up. Yeah? Yeah. I think I'd, I'd love to try Dawn of the Red again. I think I like that one slightly better. But this one's good, too. Can you still find that? I, think, I don't know if they even make it anymore. Did I feel like Red IPA was popular for like a year. Yeah, like a hot minute. <laughs> yeah, and now it's gone. So we'll like see. Like Brute IPA. A little bit longer than Brute IPA. <laughs> but yeah, I'll see if I can find it in Kasi Dawn of the Red. Okay, so you like that one. That's a that's one you can basically find all the time. Yeah, it's one of the ones that it's readily available over here on the west. What coast. size is that can? Because I always see it in the like huge cans. Uh, this is just a t- normal. Oh, just a small can. can. Okay, very cool. Okay, well, my beer is awesome. Okay. Or I should say my drink is awesome. Uh oh, <laughs> is it, is it even a beer? That's the question I'm asking myself right now. <laughs> So I'll give you tasting notes as if it is a beer. Okay. <laughs> so the mouthfeel is super thick. The carbonation basically plays no role. Basically fizzled out and just doesn't play a whole lot into the mouthfeel or taste of the beer. Sourness is perfect. Sour enough to satisfy my sour needs, but not so sour that I think you would turn people off. Very raspberry forward just in the nose, but I actually get this strong sort of tart cherry note. Cherry is not one of the fruits they used, but that sort of note is coming out. The strawberry comes in at the end, kind of that's the flavor that lingers on the palate towards the end. And then there's this very slight kind of bitterness to it. It's really the only thing even reminding me that I'm drinking a beer. Okay. (laughs) And that's it. Otherwise, it's just alcoholic juice and i'm not even sure quite how alcoholic it is <laughs> right could be eight percent could be one percent who knows who knows they didn't check <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't put it on the can you know the other controversy they had too is they had tons of exploding cans because they weren't they were i don't think they were stressing enough to people that you you can't let these beers warm up because oh, okay. the yeast will become active again and start fermenting all that unfermented fruit you just can't you cannot let them warm up yeah and so they did not do a good job of controlling that so they're having tons of exploding cans which i was a little little nervous when i opened my can today yeah open it over the sink (laughs) but did not explode and it tastes amazing 
Nice. So thumbs up. So thumbs up. But this may be the beer, quote quote unquote beer, that maybe turns me back towards drinking a few more hoppy styles. I mean, okay. it's not not really the season for the hoppy style, as we will get into moving in more to the stout season. I'm maybe excited. it will move me more towards some stouts too. There you go. Yeah, it makes you happy. <laughs> so you you're in the Venn diagram, and you've walked all the way to the circle that says beer and one foot is in the circle that says juice and you're, yeah. question, you're questioning your and path. And now I'm thinking, am I making a beer podcast or a <laughs> juice podcast? That's really funny. So I'm going to turn back. Turn I'm back. Gonna, turn I'm gonna, well, I'm going to drink this. I'm going to finish this for science and then turn back. Okay. I expect I want a stout or an IPA next week, sir. So for... <laughs> For those listeners that heard I was drinking a 450 North beer and just turned the episode off. They deleted. Hopefully, if you're still listening, maybe. (laughs) Sorry, I'm coming back. I had to do it one time. Yeah, for science. For science. And now you know. You should do a... I don't even know how you do the alcohol measurement. You should buy another cannon. 450 North doesn't even know. (laughs) You should figure out. You should actually test it. We can do it on the podcast. I'll have a science episode. Nice. All right. So you said you had some beer news for the podcast today. I do. So I am ready to brew again. Nice. It's been over a year since I last did a home brew, and I've been thinking. The hardest thing for me is always deciding what to brew, how ambitious I want to be, what style can I mess up. Can't I mess up? <laughs> I still want you to make a Goza. Yeah, that's coming. If I can kind of nail this next one, I might try a Goza next. But I've decided to brew a peanut butter cup porter. Ooh, I want to drink this. So I have kind of a basic recipe for kind of a chocolate porter, chocolate malts. I'm going to... It should come out around... Five to six percent alcohol, so not super crazy. I'm using a Scottish ale yeast, which has a low attenuation, so it should end up end up with a sweeter beer. It's not going to convert all those sugars. Okay. And then I'm going to add peanut butter powder during. Well, I'm not quite sure exactly how I'm going to add it. Somewhere in the process, I'm going to add peanut butter powder. I'm also going to add a little bit of vanilla. I'm going to add some some of the peanut butter powder I have. I'm using is straight peanut butter powder. The other one is a peanut butter chocolate powder. So a mix of that. So a little bit of chocolate in there too, and then just a touch of salt to try and bring in that like peanut butter cup Reese's flavor. And I also have a little peanut butter extract to try. Apparently, it's very, very, very difficult to get the peanut butter flavor to really come out no matter how you try to add that peanut butter powder it just it's very very difficult to get that flavor to really present so the peanut butter extract should help too do you want my hot take on this yeah please <laughs> this is way more complicated than it goes uh i i in some ways i agree but the souring uh, aspect fair. scares me the most i'm just like listening to all these adjuncts like Peanut butter extract, peanut butter powder, chocolate peanut butter powder. And I'm like, how are you going to get the ratios right? Just guessing. (laughs) So you have to make sure the nerd in me, like, this is the other thing we would do if we had our own brewery and we're independently wealthy. You know, like a test kitchen? I want you to, like, 
write down your exact recipe, but you're going to do it like <laughs> brewing is so hard because the process is so long. It's not like cookies where you can like make like 50 batches, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, I would love to see you just like incrementally increase different adjuncts and stuff like that until like you like perfectly dial it in. The goal is to perfectly dial it in. On Maybe one you're try. just, yeah, you're gonna like. <laughs> I'm sure that will happen. <laughs> first try, just bam, and it's perfect. And then Nails. just keep that, make sure you write your recipe down. No, it could be disastrous, but that's the fun of it. Yeah. A couple things I'm doing differently this time. Let me tell you. I'm going to make it better. First off, I designed my own recipe for the most part. That, I think, is creating sort of this buy-in, this passion. Because it's always been kits before. Okay. Or like, you know, like a recipe kit. So I didn't design any of it. And this time it was, I searched a bunch of different stuff. Kind of looked at other people's recipes for different, like, similar styles. But not the exact thing I wanted to brew. And then I created my own recipe out of the information from different recipes and different brewing techniques. So I'm like more excited to brew this time than I ever have been. Okay, well that's, that's good. one thing. And then secondly, I am going to use a yeast starter this time. And I'm using liquid yeast, which tends to have better healthier cells. The day before, I'm going to take the yeast, let it warm up, and then I'm going to put it in a flask like a beaker flask thing with some, it's called proper yeast starter. It's basically concentrated wort. And you put that in, you put the yeast into that concentrated wort. It used to be much more difficult to start to make your own yeast starter concentrated wort stuff. Now it just comes in a can. It's pretty nice. You put that in a flask and then you put it on like a little stir plate and you just to let keep that. It warm? No, not to warm it, just to stir it. Oh, keep it okay. o- oxygenated. Oh, and you just let that go for 24 hours. Uh, and then that's what you pitch as your yeast. So you're giving it like a head start. So it's already like going like crazy. Yep. Mm, Super healthy. Okay. So you have a, should like increase my fermentation, make a better, healthier fermentation, decrease chance of early infection. If I already have yeast going like crazy, they can crowd out anything else that might ruin the beer. And. This will be the second time I get to use my catalyst fermentation system, which is really cool. I'm very, it's makes everything so much easier. There you go. All right. We, we want to update. We want updates on the podcast. Yeah. So I should be brewing within the next week. So by the next episode, after all you loyal listeners listen to this episode, I should have a pretty good update for you the next week on how the process went. I won't know quite yet how the beer is, but I will know how the process went. Okay, good. And we want pictures on the Instagram. Got it. Sounds good. Definitely all my brew day picks are going up. That's exciting. If I still look close, I'd help you. That would be nice. Although I don't think I'm much help. (laughs) Hey, just having someone to drink beer with while I'm brewing beer is. I previously assisted you on brews, but I don't think our results were that great. (laughs) I don't think that had much to do with you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. This one's going to be good, though. This one's going to be good. I'm excited about this one. Okay, well, cool. We'll look forward to those updates. Do we want to jump into our main topic, holiday beer? Let's do it. Okay. I guess it's kind of like a seasonal cycle to drinking beer, right? Summer, yeah, these lighter, fruitier, sour beers, lighter alcohol, and then you get into the winter months. And what do you want? You want the darker, maltier, stronger, 
styles keep you warm. That's right. So those are kind of the styles we, we want to talk about today as we move into the holiday season. Yes. So what, do you have a favorite or do you just oh. probably love that it's stout season? I like stout season, so I get excited that all the stouts come out. I don't know. That's my favorite style, and that's just kind of what I want to drink. I I don't know if I really like holiday beer, per se, because we were looking up a bunch of these, and one, I haven't tried that many, very many of them, and two, I don't know. They don't sound super... I'd rather just drink a stout than a lot of these. So it's interesting, like, uh, this kind of, this style, at first, when we were talking about this episode i was thinking like oh we could do just like a deep dive into the christmas ale style but it's not very deep dive (laughs) um because this is mainly like a newer american invention the like it's they call it the winter warmer style whether christmas ale or winter ale but it's kind of born out of the old english wassail drink where it was kind of the precursor to caroling they would go wassailing and they would be cold and they would have this hot drink. The recipe for this is very interesting. They found this old 1835 recipe for wassail, which is basically you take a really strong malty beer and then you add sugar, nutmeg, ginger, and lemon. And then you serve it warm with roasted apples floating in it. Whoa. That's like a non-alcoholic, well, non-alcoholic other than the beer you put in. Okay, so maybe like a low alcohol. Yeah, and then there's like higher alcohol versions where you add like a bottle of whiskey to it. There you go. If you really want to warm up. <laughs> so carol or caroling or what What did you call it? Wassailing. Wassailing? That was really like karaoke before there was karaoke. Because <laughs> you would get drunk and that always encourages, <laughs> you know, it lets you sing. It lowers your inhibition. Yeah, it lowers your inhibition to sing. So you just get hammered, and then you just walk around and sing at people. (laughs) (laughs) I, like, just made that connection just now. That's amazing. (laughs) See, I'm one of the few people that I will karaoke sober. So, okay. will you karaoke sober? Um, I think you fall into that category. Yeah, I, I don't super need the liquid courage. I think I'm way better if I have a couple drinks first, because I lean into it a little bit harder. But I'd probably do it sober. I've seen this guy karaoke to I Like Big Butts, and I can't lie. <laughs> and it's pretty amazing. He's being he's being humble. <laughs> that's, that's a former self. <laughs> but alcohol definitely helps. Yeah, there's like a sweet spot. You don't want it too much. But you want just enough. Then everyone in the crowd is like, oh, get him off the stage. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to be sloppy. but You want to lose all self-awareness. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so anyway, sorry to derail you. But I just had to... <laughs> just <laughs> My history lesson completely went off. <laughs> okay, so sometimes they're fortifying it with stronger alcohol. Yeah, so this um, style kind of got reinvented in the American craft beer revolution in the 80s and they started to brew these malty styles so we're talking a lot of caramel toffee flavors kind of think burnt cooked sugar they're about seven percent alcohol so kind of pushing towards the stronger alcohol it's kind of interesting because at the very beginning of the crappy revolution they weren't really high on adjuncts so a lot of these beers didn't really add spices like they do now so at first it was just a lot of maybe the hop profile would bring in a little bit of 
spiciness, maybe juniper, sage kind of to the beer. Your malts would is what would bring the sort of toffee flavors and dried fruit flavors, that kind of thing. But then later on, as adjuncts become, became much more common, I mean, I'm drinking... I feel like we're in the wild west of adjuncts yeah. now. It's like first they were timid about it, and now they're just like, put in, put in Lucky yeah. Charms, put in, like... <laughs> If you name it, it's like been put into a beer. Okay. My beer tastes like a fruit roll up. So, <laughs> That's, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so now anything goes. Yeah. And now you can just, the whole point is just to make the beer taste like Christmas <laughs> ginger, cardamom, vanilla, cinnamon, nutmeg. What else? Dried fruit, honey, pine. Actually yeah. using. Not hop pine, you know, just pine. Yeah, yeah, using pine, but also, you know, hop flavors, incorporating hop flavors, incorporating fruity yeast flavors into that, okay. and just really trying to create this Christmas-themed beer. It's going to warm you up, and it's kind of popular right now. It's kind of exploding, I think. Oh, is it getting more popular? A lot of, like, local breweries, to me, are brewing Christmas ales now and are actually really well-known. Like, we have one uh, Whitestone Brewery, I've mentioned them before, they're right here close to me. They have a melted snowman. So good. It's a really good winter warmer beer. And their the release of that is huge every year. And they do a few iterations, usually one that's like conditioned on candied fruit and that kind of stuff. So I feel like it's uh if you're like a brewery, you gotta love that stuff. You make it once a year, it's really popular, it sells really well, you get a bunch of people to come buy it, and then you just don't make it again. So yeah. I kind of see like why people are kind of I didn't think about it until you kind of mentioned it. I kind of always kind of had this in the back of my mind. But, yeah, beer see, beer drinking has, like, seasons of, like, what you want to drink. But I wonder if we'll see, like, more of that, like, where people kind of, like, lean into that a little bit harder. Because I feel like we already have, like, summer beers. Then we have, there's, like, the pumpkin beers. And we have Oktoberfest. And now I have winter warmers. They're just going to fill the whole calendar. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's somewhat, like, geographical, too. Like, if you live someplace and it doesn't get cold. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. San Diego. I don't think a lot of San Diego brewers are brewing winter warmer winter ales. Winter warmers, yeah. <laughs> but Sam Adams has a lot of winter beers. Yes. Or it's frigid. <laughs> they need the warming. Chicago. I'm sure Chicago's got a ton of winter warmer ales. Yes, you need it. But the a little ex- exception to that rule is that Anchor Brewing is in San Francisco, which has the same weather. Although they they can get frigid in the <laughs> in the summer. What's the quote? The uh, was that a Mark Twain quote? He said the coldest winter he ever faced was a summer in San Francisco <laughs> or something. <That's> like that. <laughs> Uh, so it does get cold there. So there is a time and place for a winter warmer ale in San Francisco. But uh, Anchor Brewing has a, their Christmas ale that they brew every year. It just released like maybe three or four weeks ago. It's a different recipe every year. And actually, I think in 2020, it was 7% alcohol, which is the highest it's ever been. I think 2021, 7% again. Apparently, just kind of looking at different reviews and taste profiles and stuff, looks like it's it is coming out very like very pine needle-ish juniper sage with some nutmeg cinnamon and and uh, dark fruit and deep malt flavors so i've seen it in the store this is the anchor I, brewing one anchor brewing yeah huh i should see if i can get it i bet i can get a six pack really easily yeah i'm sure 
I mean, I've already seen it in the store. <laughs> they actually have, they sell it in like a giant bottle. Oh, really? Like Not even a wine bottle, a huge bottle. Oh. I don't know if I have enough friends that will drink it with me for to get one of those, but I might pick up a six pack of that and just try it. I think it's worth it. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at a beer advocate. Actually, you're right. Winter warmers is that's like the classified style. It's official. It's a beer so advocate style. So yeah, there's 1,565 ranked winter warmers. Saint Arnold, who we mentioned a lot, I'm actually wearing the t-shirt right now. They have a Christmas ale. It's pretty popular around here. Accumulation by New Belgium. That's actually, I think, a winter ipa so that's kind of interesting going the hoppier route with like maybe a much maltier i mean any real any like true west coast style ipa for the hop heads you can get away with drinking one of those as a winter warmer something a little maltier i was gonna say yeah like the west coast style is already almost there because <laughs> usually they have that pine like that bitter pine hop profile and then it's usually really malty so you just need to if you want to do a couple adjuncts you're not too far away actually i've had accumulation from new belgium yeah yeah i like that one it's a white ipa i think my trip okay yeah it's a white ipa that one is actually pretty good it's different so maybe i've had some of these now that's technically that's not classified as a winter warmer but it's definitely like a winter beer like the label is like a snowy cabin i looked up some other ones too so Anderson Valley has one called Winter Solstice. We have not have that. From Anderson Valley? Yeah. Is that the one? The one I really want to try is Prairie makes a one called... <laughs> so many of their beers are called Bomb, B-O-M-B. They make one called Christmas Bomb. Because they basically yeah. take that bomb style and then do all these cool stuff with it. Like, I think it was quite a while ago, but I drank the Cherry Cherry Bomb, bomb on. Yeah. <sighs> it's so good. But the Christmas one they do, it says espresso beans, vanilla beans, chocolate, chili peppers, and additional Christmas spices. Oh, the chili peppers is interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of like a spicy stout. Like, they kind of do those already, but it just says additional Christmas spices. And it doesn't specify, but I would love to try this. I bet this is really good. Now, let me add on a style that I think needs some note for these winter warmers. Okay. For those sour lovers, because I just talked about for hop heads, you can drink some maltier IPAs, red IPAs. I think the beer you drank today, it's a good winter warmer. Yeah, definitely. But sour lovers. Recently, there's been a lot more sort of Christmassy sours. Prairie Artisan Ales actually has a seasick crocodile they released this year. That's a sour with like cranberry, ginger, and some spices, I think. Oh, they're taking the cranberry route. Rubens Goza, which is one of our faves, they always make a cranberry version around this time of year. They make a, a Christmas version of their Goza, which is incredible. What? By the way, I've had it. Because that cranberry, it seems like it would lend itself really well to that Goza base. Oh, that sounds so good. I wonder if it I can does. get that out here. I doubt it's fantastic. it. Martin House has a release... I think it's called Delilah's Delight or something like that. They just released it. I need to go to the store like now and get it. It is a 10% ABV sour, cranberry raspberry, Christmas sour. 10%? That is, they're not messing around. No, I'm very excited about that one. I need to pick that up. That's going to be my Thanksgiving beer, I think. <laughs> okay. While I'm eating my turkey. 
Yeah, that's that sounds like a good one. So yeah. So oh, and then I just drank. I was just at Ingenious Brewing down in near Houston. I was just there this last weekend, and I drank a maple cranberry tart sour. It was so good. So again, cranberry, it's kind of a running theme for these sour beers. But, you know, if you're looking for something that's a little bit more fall based, Christmassy, starting getting into the winter months, I think a good cranberry sour is kind of what you should look for. No, that's a, that's a good tip. That makes sense. I think cranberry is already kind of like bitter and sour already. So, and it's, a, you know, a very popular uh, holiday dish. Cranberry sauce and chutney. That's what my favorite makes. Yeah? Yeah, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like cranberries, raisins, nuts, all kind of like chopped up, kind of. Yeah. It's really, it's pretty good. Huh. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, so then just add some cranberry beers. I dig it. So there's kind of a wide variety then. I was kind of just thinking winter warmers, but... And then I would argue any stout is a holiday beer. I agree. It's just, this is the season. It's stout season. You're cold, drink something with a high ABV and... Jason would say there's never a beginning or an end to stout No. It's always stout season. I could drink a stout like on a 90 degree day (laughs) in an air-conditioned building. (laughs) In general, this is stout season now. Yeah. Now that it's getting colder. Yeah, you want to sit by the fire or the whatever you have to warm you. Some sippers. Get yourself a... Yes, a slow sipper. Get yourself a slow sipper. That'll keep you warm. All right. All right, do you have any other honorable mentions for holiday beers? No. Get yourself some holiday Rubens Goza if you can ever find it. <laughs> now it's like my mission to find that. I want to. I'll have to so go to good. Total Wine, but I don't think we get Rubens all the way out here. But I'll double check. Maybe we do. That's that's the one I want though. That's a good one. All right. Well, if you have any good suggestions for holiday beers, you should email us at contact.attenuation at gmail or you can hit us up on Instagram at attenuation.podcast. And keep your eyes open on Instagram because we get to see Steven's brewing adventure. It's going to be epic. And we'll get more updates on that beer. It's going to be a lot of peanut butter. (laughs) (laughs) Your peanut butter blast or whatever you're going to call it. Peanut butter overload. I'll think of a really good pun for my name. Oh, no. Of course you are. (laughs) Never mind. I don't want to hear about it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. I'm not going to love it. All right, well, this has been episode 37 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since 8th grade, Stephen. That's me. And we are saying farewell and happy holidays, and we'll see you next week. Happy holidays. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Attenuation, a beer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram or Facebook for more fun content. Catch you next week. Cheers. Mm-hmm.